Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Nathan Liram with my co-host Glenn Fairburn. Um, recently with some downward pressure on some investment markets, shares and property, um, we're just going to have a discussion today about some common investment stakes mistakes that people often make and um, hopefully some tips to avoid those. Um, we will just make a quick reminder to our listeners that this podcast is of general nature only so please do consult a professional if you are looking to act on any of this advice Um, thanks again for listening please enjoy welcome everyone to the money mentors podcast the last couple of months have been a little bit volatile for not only shares but but also property there's been a lot of concern and fear in the market obviously about the downward movement of the equities market and also negative signs surrounding the property market um, and, and on that basis I suppose when we look at what are the reactions of investors or, or observers in the market um, quite often in times like this where people do see investments going in the opposite direction they get a little bit fearful um, and they tend to make irrational decisions and investment mistakes. So what Nathan and I wanted to have a bit of a chat about today was really the, the mistakes that we see investors make in times like this. So when things are going against perhaps what they would like to see, which is always as investors, we like seeing markets go up and, and positive returns. But you know the nature of investing is that quite often things can go the opposite direction as well. Um, so it's just a matter of, I suppose, protecting ourselves from some of those more common mistakes um, Nathan, what would you think would be sort of the number one mistake that people can make in, in a downward moving market? Oh, look, I think the obvious one, Glenn, is is uh, being a, a seller or a, f- yeah. a forced seller in particular. Yeah. So when the market's moving against you, you whether you need to sell, whether it's a you know, margin call or, or you need, need access to the cash to settle a property or something like that. A lot of like the time that. it's just panic, isn't it? Like the, the whole sell motive is driven by people's perception that they're losing asset value isn't it where in reality it's really just paper value isn't it i mean it's unless you're selling you're not really losing any money but i think it's just that mindset isn't it where people see perhaps the value of their shares or the value of their property going down in in the short term and and the inclination is that i don't want to lose any more money so i'll just sell sell now is, is like, that, yeah stop the bleeding so to yeah speak. yeah stop stop the bleeding um yeah i mean i've, I've said this a few times said in my blog last week last week where uh, losses are felt twice as much as gains so people definitely feel or hurt a lot yeah. more emotionally it's the fear of losing isn't it mm. as opposed to suppose the um whether it's the joy or the satisfaction you get from gaining people tend to be far more impacted by the loss mm. don't they even as i was saying the market has become even more volatile now perhaps than what it used to be because of the news flows because of all the you know index funds automated trading there just seems to be so much movement in the market um, and, and it can lead to people panicking um, and I, I suppose one of the things that leads on to selling is that I think most people perhaps look to sell to stop the bleeding but then you also get I mean I've, I've had conversations with clients about this where they say how about we sell now and then buy back when the market has mm. fallen to a lower point I mean that can be quite dangerous as well can't it yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's a conversation we've probably all had with with clients over the years, and um, we always, 
I think I well I like to put it back on the client and say, well, when when will we buy back? If we decide yeah. to sell, if the, the mar- if yeah. you are right, that's right. When when do you buy back? Because in theory, it all sounds good and well. You sell it, you might sell out now, and you know the expectation is the market falls another ten percent, so you buy back. If you get that timing right, yeah, great. But what if what if the market doesn't continue falling and it goes up and it go and it recovers quite quickly and goes beyond where you sold out? It's it's almost like you, you've done all this work for nothing, isn't it? Like it's mm. a strategy that just hasn't been beneficial at all. And w- when I have discussions like this with clients, one of the things that I like to bring up is the power of missing out on the best days in the market because mm. as we know, the share market isn't a consistent returner, is it? So some days it might be down, some days it might be up. It's, it's up in different levels. Um, and if you look at the stats over the past... Well, just over 13 years from May 1995 to September 2018. So a pretty long time frame there. Um, an investor who missed the 10 best market return days during that period would have given up more than a third of the portfolio return. So basically just being out of the market for the 10 best days over that you know, 20-odd year period would take a third of your return away. So it just shows the danger of of not being invested, doesn't it? So if you sell out, but then the day that you're out of the market, the market goes up a substantial amount, then you can really lose a substantial amount of your return, can't you? I mean, that, that's a pretty common stat that gets brought up every now and then. I mean, what, what's the lesson from that? Is it just to remain invested or? Yeah, oh, it's a powerful stat. It, it just, it shows you um, the, I guess the, the power of, being invested for for a long period of time and and well the dangers of timing getting your timing wrong doesn't it yeah because yeah. if, you, if you happen to sell out with a view that you're going to buy back in if you get it wrong um and we all know how quickly the market moves both ways it can go down quickly but it can re- rebound or recover quite quickly as well and if you're trying to pick the best time to get in and out i mean that's just fraught with danger isn't it because more often than not you're going to get that wrong aren't you yeah and you know people like Warren Buffett come out on record and say that I can't time a market. Um, he has, you know, one of the smartest investors in the world with the most resources at his disposal. How a, you know, everyday Joe Blow investor is going to time the market? Yeah, it's just impossible. Mm. And I mean, we, we've sort of been having a chat about people who have invested, have investments, and the mistakes that they can make in a down market. But what about people who just are sitting on cash that they may think? oh, maybe I'm going to sit on the sidelines here and, and not invest. But it's almost the same sort of theory, isn't it? Because yes, you might be in a good position if markets are going down in that you've got cash and you, and you didn't invest at a high point. Mm. But the, the question remains is when then do you invest? Do you just sit on the sidelines yeah. forever? Because I've met clients who, had, you know, their glory was that they cashed out before the, you know, the GFC. So they're, they're pretty happy. But... The question is, okay, then when do you reinvest? Because the longer you sit on cash, that's not a productive outcome either, is it? Yeah, usually you hear the the, the, the good stories, but yeah, th- th- those people probably don't tell you the you know what they've done wrong. And <clears throat> the obvious example that comes to mind is, is is property. I know in Melbourne we've seen property have a very strong ten year period. Yeah. I mean, recently it's it's tapered off, but before that and i've heard stories about a lot of people that have said no it's too expensive i'll wait yeah. and the market has just kept, kept sailing up and up and up. um i mean we always say oh i always say the best time to invest is now yeah as long as you have a strategy in place and if the market does move against you so so let's say three months ago if you're looking to buy equities and you 
you had the foresight or whatever to say, I'm going to, I'm going to wait. And you know, the market is off around 10 or 12%. So you, let's say you're right. Okay. Good, good. Deb, that's great. You might, are you going to buy now or do you think it's going to keep going down? I suppose. But even if you had a bought three months ago before the market fell 10 or, 10 or 12%, as long as you can follow up, you have a strategy in place and you can, you know, that share went down 10%, you have a bit of cash, you might buy a little bit more of it. Um, you're not going to lose. And remember, the market goes up more than it goes down. That's right. So you're yeah. kind of betting against the statistics if you, if you time the market and wait because yeah. more often than not, it'll go up. Because no one knows what the market's going to do in future, do I mean in the short term? But the one I suppose um, area that we can look at is what what we've what's happened in history, um, and and the, the overwhelming thing is that the markets go up. You know, eighty percent of the time the market's up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was looking at this stat last week for my blog, and yeah, since I think nineteen hundred, yeah, eighty percent of the years have been positive, had a positive yeah. number, so, so it's if, gone if up. You're, if you're invested. The odds are in your favor, aren't they? As opposed to trying to pick. It's like when you go to the casino. The casino, the odds are in the the house's favor. Yeah. If you invest and remain invested, invested, the odds are in your favor. Yeah. If you start trying to chop and change, sell and buy, you're somewhat, well, transaction costs are going to build up and then you're kind of taking the the control out of your hands a little bit. And if, Mm. if you are a little bit fearful about the state of the market, you think, oh, I'm not quite sure about you know, taking the plunge and putting all my money into the market right now. There are options, aren't they? I mean, that's where, you know, in the past we have sort of for some clients who have been a little bit nervous, averaged into the market. So you might say, well, instead of putting all my money into the market today, perhaps I'll average into it over a six-month period. Only time will tell whether that's an effective strategy. But even if it's just a mindset thing that makes you feel more comfortable that you're not, you know, playing into the market all in one go, that is a that can be an effective strategy as well. Yeah, look, to be honest, my view on that, if you're investing 100% in one asset class such as shares, yeah. I think it makes sense yeah. to yeah. do that. Well, you know, if that's your view, it's not a bad risk mitigation tactic to do that. But if if you're investing in a diversified portfolio, you are spreading your risk around yeah. anyway. And that's where if the equity market falls, as, we, as we've spoken about quite a lot on this podcast, if you've got a strategy and a target asset allocation, if the equity market falls, then you're going to be underweight equities and therefore you'd be drawing on those other asset classes so that's that's when you leverage in then exactly so that's where you really need to stick to the strategy isn't it so sitting on the sidelines doing nothing you know is probably more dangerous than than being invested but if you're going to be invested then you need to have that strategy whether it is dollar cost averaging or averaging into the market or it's it's that strategic rebalancing process that we've spoken about quite a lot on the podcast yeah so in terms of you know investment mistakes to avoid as we're talking about this topic I think yeah, not having a strategy is, is something that a lot of investors, when they invest, they don't have a strategy where, you know, for example, if a client comes to see us, we will, you know, document, you know, determine an asset allocation, document a financial plan, and we've got a lot of strategy behind, you know, our our, our philosophies and how we how we invest for clients. Yeah, and I suppose so, you know, expanding on that, it can be, you know, a, a mistake can also be a forced seller. Because we've, we've spoken about the decisions people make to sell when they make that decision. But there, there can be situations that if you're borrowing to invest and, and um, you know, there's obligations that you have to meet in, in order to remain invested. And when markets are going down, you're a forced seller. That can put you in a really difficult position as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we said that quite at the start of the podcast where yeah, you never want to be a, a seller in a down market. Firstly, you never want to, secondly, you never want to be a fourth seller. Um, you want to you want to be a buyer. You want to do what the, the you want to do the opposite of what the herd's doing. And, and at the moment, yeah, the sentiment is sell. Um, we don't know when that's going to turn. It might still go down a little bit more, but um, once again, take that long term view, have an investment strategy, and, and and you should be fine. And and you mentioned there sort of following the herd. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that's a really common mistake as well, isn't it? That you sort of, whether it's following the herd or listening to the noise, sort of paying too much attention to what's happening in front of us. Mm. Like, you know, the media will forever jump on board a, a, you know, a, a negative news story and they love saying how much the market's fallen in any given day and the panic and hysteria. Um, I mean, that's probably one of the more common mistakes, isn't it? Where people sort of buy into that hysteria and the fear and just because they see everyone else selling, they feel like they have to sell as well. So it's almost just following that herd mentality, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, as humans, we, we feel comfortable with safety in numbers. So it's uh, it's probably just, just human nature. It's the natural reaction to want to feel safe doing what everyone else is doing. You hear it on the news, you talk to your friends at a barbecue or dinner. Um, yeah, it's just kind of human nature. So that's why if you have a plan and work with a, you know, a dedicated professional... Uh, hopefully you can fight those those instincts and it's taking the emotion out of your investment decisions isn't it because that that can be really dangerous where you know where the emotion kicks in and you're that fearful that you make those irrational decisions whereas as you were saying if you're working with with an advisor hopefully they can take that emotion Mm -hmm. out of it and really make you know good judgment calls to what's the best strategy for you longer term definitely um yeah it's important just on the whole noise thing I, i think it's important to stay, I mean, for us anyway, people in finance, you want to stay informed. You want to know what's going on in the marketplace, but just don't let that dictate or influence the decisions that you make. Yeah, that's when you get in trouble. And and just popped popped in my head. Um, I mean, we were both we were both uh, advisors um, during the, the the global financial crisis, kind of set oh seven eight nine, and I still remember like talking about going against your instincts. I mean, I remember buying like banking shares was was hard like we yeah. had a client that might have bought a banking share a couple of years earlier and had gone down so we're topping it up oh, they almost they almost halved in value didn't they and i still remember like there was you know the media was saying that the the banking system is going to globally going to melt down i still remember like recommending clients top up banks it was it was actually hard it went against what probably you want what everyone else was saying wanted you to do and it's funny that because mm. that's quite often the case isn't it when everyone else is against it that's where there can be a good buying opportunity, isn't yeah. it? can't there? It's exactly. the same with resource stocks, sort of early 2016, where there was you know, a lot of pressure on those resource stocks. And we all know what's happened over the last yeah. two years. They've been very strong performers. That's right. So I, I try to carry those learnings into going forward when I'm looking at a, um, you know, topping up a, a stock for a client and it just feels wrong because the sentiment is completely against yeah. it. But eventually that, if it's a good business, good earnings... Um, eventually that will turn around and you'll be you'll be rewarded as an investor for that. So. And do you also think that a focus too much on the short term can be a bit of a hindrance as well for people when they're investing? Yeah, oh, definitely. Look, I had, I had that written down as well. I just think not having a long-term mentality is probably the arguably one of the most dangerous things an investor can do. And just looking at the market too frequently. I mean, just logging in every mm. day and looking at your portfolio. I mean, largely it's meaningless, isn't it? Looking at what the value of the a share or a portfolio is worth on a day-to-day basis. If you can't handle the emotion. It's almost irrelevant. 
yeah, if you can't handle the emotion, I, I actually say to clients now, if, if you if this makes you anxious by looking at the portfolio value, don't maybe don't log in. Friendly advice, of course you can. Like don't log in yeah. every day. Um, a few a few clients I've said to recently, and if you're a retiree, you just live off the income. Just pretend you log in and you that that portfolio valuation figures blanked out almost. You can't yeah. see it because what's it mean to you? You doesn't live off the anything, portfolio income. And that income really isn't necessarily correlated to short-term markets in the movement. Yeah, because volatility or fluctuation in asset values doesn't mean you're losing money. Mm. I mean, I've said to clients, you know, you don't value your house every day mm. or every minute of the day. And people think, oh, you're right. You know, like it's, mm. it, it, it's just removing what the market thinks the investment's worth today and focusing on the cash flow and, mm. and just knowing that, look, I'm not buying this investment for, for one day of return I'm buying it because I think it's a good investment for a long period of time um, but yeah I, I think that the short-sightedness um, too much of a focus on short-term returns and that's where that emotion can I suppose really kick in and, mm. and as we've been talking about lead, lead to you making irrational decisions um, I mean we've spoken about having a strategy um, seeking professional advice remaining calm is there any other advice that you can think of to help people deal with the short-term volatility and avoiding some of the mistakes that, that we've spoken about? Oh, just one thing I was going to say is just investing in something that you don't understand. I mean, you, you, you'll often hear that where people say, don't invest in something you don't understand. Where, I mean, if maybe if you engage a professional advisor, it's slightly different because you're maybe outsourcing that expertise yeah. to someone else. But you know, if you're just a, an investor that, that wants to buy buy a share and you don't understand how that company works, arguably it's a it's a bad move investing in something that you don't understand because you'll probably, if, if times get tough, you'll probably just want to hit the sell button at the That's worst right. time. And quite often people can be drawn in by the allure of, of high returns, but you know they need to bear in mind that with high returns comes higher risk. I mean, they sort of go part and parcel, don't they? Hmm. So look, just to rehash some of the investment mistakes that we've spoken about today, I think the primary one is, you know, well, we're talking about investment mistakes in a down market. The worst thing that you can do most of the time um, is sell. So sell in a market that's falling um, in that, you know, making a decision at the low point of the market isn't necessarily a good one. And, and that, I suppose, can be led by focusing too much on the short term. Um, we also spoke about, you know, not investing at all. So yes, if you've got investments, the best thing to do may not be to sell. But even if you're sitting on cash, sitting on the sidelines too long can also not be the best strategy for you. And as we spoke about, just missing out on the 10 best days um, can ha in, in a market over an extended period of time um, can, also, can al almost take a third of your return away. So it can be quite substantial. It's impossible to time market. So we spoke about, you know, the view that people have where they can sell out now, buy it back at a lower point but that doesn't always eventuate and quite often the markets can rise and you can miss out on those returns. Um, so I, I th we, th we think that the bottom line is that you should you know, make rational decisions, take the emotion out of your decision-making, remain calm, consult um, the expertise of an advisor. Don't be too caught up in the, in the noise and the media and the, short, and the short-term movements in the market um, and, and that should hopefully hold you in good stead over a long period of time. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast and we look forward to you all listening again next week. 
Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.